All right, well, let's get into the Word tonight. Uh, we're going to continue our series tonight on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, if I sound tired tonight, it, it's because I am. Um, I uh, had the privilege of being on uh, WDJC this morning for a call to prayer, which means I got up at 4.45 this morning. Did, did you know that, that they make that an AM now? That's... <laughs> It's, it's crazy. So, uh, and, and I, was, I was surprised at how, how crowded the roads were at, at uh, 5 o'clock this morning driving over there. I thought, all these people are up really early. Weirdos. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, I'm not a morning person, but, uh, but I did have a great time at the radio station with uh, Ace and Roxanne. And Roxanne sends her greetings, and she talked this morning again about what a loving, hugging church we are. And, uh, and so she wanted me to express her love and appreciation to all of you. What's that? Not yet, but I'm planning on it. I am planning on it. <coughs> yeah, he's asking if I've invited her back. Some of you don't know, we had Roxanne speak here a couple of years ago. Wonderful presentation. And, uh, and so we do need to have her back. All right. Yeah, God's hand is really on her. And God has really given her, not only in the radio station, but God's given her a platform in Birmingham, and uh, really proud of what God's doing in her life. Okay, the gifts of the Spirit. Tonight is the third part of our series, and we're going to talk tonight about the gift of faith. Now, you may remember in the first week we discussed that the gifts of the Spirit are natural abilities that God takes to a supernatural level in our lives. Look at all nine of the gifts in the passage we're going to read in just a moment, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a natural equivalent to, to, to pretty much everything. I mean, the gift of healing, which we talked about, the body heals itself, but the gift of healing takes that to another level. It, has, it takes a natural ability to a supernatural level. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about faith, and all of us have the capacity for faith. Scripture says that we've all been given the measure of faith. That measure, uh, I believe, is referring to what it takes for us to be able to call upon the Lord in faith to be saved. We all have been given that by the Lord. Amen? So the gift of faith is taking that natural faith that has been bred into our DNA and taking it to, to another level, a supernatural level. So let's start by reading our master text for this series. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers or miracles, as the New King James says. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So, uh, 
So these, these are the nine gifts that we think of as Pentecostals when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. There are two other lists of, spirit, of uh, gifts in the New Testament. And, uh, and so those are gifts of the Spirit as well. They're, just, they're a different type, a different category of gifts of the Spirit. So I'm talking about, for lack of a better term, the, the charismatic gifts uh, in this series. And so, um, so we've talked about uh, knowledge and wisdom. We talked about that last week. Tonight we're going to... Um, circle back around to the power gifts. Uh, the power gifts, there's three of them, and that is the gift of healing, which we talked about in week one, and then the gift of miracles or miraculous powers. And then tonight we're going to talk about the gift of faith. These are gifts that operate in power. Hebrews 2, verses 3 through 4, <clears throat> reads, How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So notice this, that the gifts of the Spirit testify to who God is, testify to His power. And you notice there in the first text we read, that he said that some of you was you were pagans were led aside led astray to mute idols. Aren't you thankful today that our God is not mute? Our God is not silent. Our God is not some idol or some statue in a church somewhere that we bow before. Our God is living and active and present with us. He dwells inside of us. He manifests His presence among us. He's alive and He is here in power. And so uh, all of these gifts then point back to the fact that God still speaks today, that God is actively involved in our lives. And so this passage in Hebrews is talking about, you know, what a disaster it'll be, what a loss it'll be if we neglect so great a salvation, which these gifts testify toward. Now, how do we receive that salvation? We receive salvation by faith. We receive salvation by calling upon the Lord and confessing Him as our Savior. And, and I think you know this, but just, just to be clear, we are not saved by straightening up our lives. We're not saved by behaving better. We are saved by receiving Him by faith. And when we begin to live by faith, that begins to reshape our behavior, and reshape our lives. So salvation comes through faith. We receive salvation through faith. Say amen. amen. All right. And so here's what we need to understand, though. Everything, everything. Everybody say everything. everything. What's the Greek for everything? Everything. Everything that we receive from God, we receive by faith. The same faith that brought you to salvation, the same faith that caused you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I receive you into my life and I give you my life. That same faith is the faith by which you follow the Lord for the rest of your days. And so when you are living your life in normal routines, you're walking by faith. 
But when you are facing a trial, uh, uh, when you are facing a, a difficult time, when you are dealing with a situation you do not know how to address or how to walk through, you're still walking by that same faith. Many times we say, well, Lord, I, just, I don't know how to deal with all these hard things I'm dealing with in my life. You do it the same way you do everything else, by faith. But granted that there are seasons in our lives where we need more faith. You know? There are seasons when, when the doctors give you bad news. There are seasons when there's more month than there is money. There are seasons when relationships are falling apart. And you need something extra to be able to stand in those times. And that is where the gift of faith comes in in our lives. Is that God will deposit into our heart the faith we need to walk through whatever it is we need to face in that moment. I've said this recently, but I think it's kind of unfair. I used to, growing up, I used to hear preachers talk about, you know, what if... What if the communists take over? This is back in the 80s when everything was about the Cold War. What if the communists come and take over and they, you know, they, they start doing these terrible things to your family and they'll only stop if you renounce your faith and you, what would you do? What would you do? You know? and, and that to me is, and I get what they're, where they're going with that and I understand we need to say, I I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, will not deny the Lord and all that. I get that. But it's a little bit unfair, I think, to preach that way and then try to get an emotional response from somebody in that moment. Why? Because they're not in the moment in which they will need the faith to be able to stand for that. I cannot fathom letting my family be harmed at this moment, you know. But I have the faith, I have the, the confidence that if that moment were to come, God would give me what I need in that moment. In fact, Jesus said, do not worry about what you will say, but I will give you the words to say in that moment, right? And so God gives you the faith for what you need when you need it. So you don't have to have the faith to say, you know, I'll never deny you right now. You just have to have the faith to know that you'll have the faith to not deny him when the time comes. God will give you exactly what you need. You can trust God. God never calls you to do something without giving you the capacity to walk it out. And when I say that, I do not mean that suddenly He gives you the ability to do it in your own strength. In fact, many things He calls us to are bigger than we are, but it's so that we have to walk by faith and trust Him as we walk through it. So, the gift of faith. What is the gift of faith? Let's define it. The gift of faith is a miraculous faith for a special situation or opportunity. The gift of faith is a miraculous faith for a special situation or an opportunity. Some ways, some people might refer to it is when you get a knowing in your knower. You ever heard that? Larry Lee used to say that all the time. It's in those moments when you are praying and God drops something in your spirit and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God is going to do and what the outcome will be. There's nothing in your five senses that tell you it will be that way, but I got a knowing in my knower. I just know that God's got it taken care of. And people around you are, you know, wringing their hands and they're worried and you're just smiling and whistling and just happy because you know God's got it. You're operating in the gift of faith in those moments. 
Or another way that it, it uh, manifests itself would be, let's say, for example, uh, you know, with the property here, there's going to come a point. Well, I walk around our facility right now, and I see a lot of work that needs to be done. And, 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 and as the pastor, you know, uh, and, and, and my board can, rec- can, can understand this, you know, I, I look around and think we need to do this, we need to do that. This bank needs some work back here. And I start, but then I'm immediately thinking, okay, that's $5,000, that's $10,000, that's $15,000. And I'm thinking, where is that money going to come from, you know? And, and so there's always things like that. But just, but, but, you know, we, we look at stuff like that and, and living from month to month, but then there will come, there will come a time that we will be building either a gym or a new sanctuary or both over here. And, and there's no way that that will not be a multi-million dollar project by the time we do it, you know, and by the time we do everything that needs to be done. And so, you know, our annual budget is around 300000 a little less. And so that's a lot more than, you know, I mean, a million, 300000 minus a million. I mean, you know, the math doesn't add up. And so, you know, we're going to say, well, we can't afford this. But when the time comes... When God says go, God will ignite the gift of faith in us to where we won't be looking around saying, but there's giants in the land. We'll be looking around saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Let me at them. You understand? And so God will give us the faith we need to do what he calls us to do. You say, well, where's that money going to come from? It's going to come from God. This is getting off track, but I, I feel this. I'm just going to say this. You know, when we went to get the loan to build the FEC building in, in uh, 2002, we built it in 2003, but we got the loan in 2002, <clears throat> one particular bank, <clears throat> United Security, <clears throat> wouldn't, um, <clears throat> wouldn't, uh, wouldn't loan us the money because they said, that, um, they said that they didn't think we'd be able to pay it back. And so yeah, I said, well, okay, well, that's fine. And and, you know, they, they lost a customer over it, but uh, West Alabama ended up loaning us the money, and not only did we pay it back, but we paid it back about 10 years early. And, and you know, and so God provided for that. And so, you know, it's, you, can't, you can't look just at the situation, and I have no ill will toward the bank. I mean, they're protecting their assets. I understand that. And, and probably on paper it didn't look, like, didn't look that, that convincing. But God. But God. And so, you know, we, we cannot live by what we see. We have to live by faith. And we ha- here's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us to, is that we need to learn to appropriate by faith the faith we need for what God's called us to do. In other words, we need to stay before the Lord until he stirs up that kind of faith in us. We walk by faith and not by sight. Six kinds of faith that are described in Scripture, and I don't have these on the screen, so if you're you're taking notes, I'll I'll try to give you time to write it down, but uh, six categories or descriptions of faith that are mentioned. One is little faith. Jesus says this many times, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why can't you believe? You know, the poor disciples over and over again, Jesus would say, oh, you have little faith. Then there's growing faith. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says, because your faith is growing more and more. Aren't you thankful tonight that where your faith is, is not where your faith has to stay? 
your faith can grow. Your faith can get stronger. Uh, number three is mustard seed faith in Matthew 17, 20 and Luke 17, 6. Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and, tell it to com- and command it to be cast into the sea and it will obey you. So the point Jesus is making is, you know, that's, don't try to figure out how much is a mustard seed faith. The, the point is it doesn't take much. Mustard seed faith. Number four, faith as a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So faith, if, if we are walking in the Spirit, a fruit of that, something that will be manifested in us, will be faith and faithfulness. Number five is shipwrecked faith. 1 Timothy 1.19 talks about... In fact, let me just... <clears throat> this is not on the screen, but let me just turn Let me find it real quick. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. Where are you at, 1 Timothy? There you are. 1 Timothy uh, 1.19. In fact, I was looking over this earlier, and something just kind of stood out to me right here. Verse 18. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by re- recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Now notice that. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. What does that mean? It means that you're not doing something that contradicts your conscience. You're not doing something you feel bad about, right? You know, like, oh, well, I shouldn't have stolen that, you know, soft drink from AM, PM, you know, or I shouldn't have cussed out the pastor, you know, or, or whatever. Nobody's cussed me out, and you better not either. So... Um, <laughs> But, you know, holding on to faith and a good conscience. And watch this. Which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. And something I never really caught before in reading that was that when we reject our, not just our faith, we talk about is it possible to lose your salvation? And we define that by walking away from Christ, denouncing our faith. And so we argue about that, whether it was once saved, always saved, or can you lose your salvation or whatever. But he doesn't just talk about shipwrecking our faith by denying our faith. He says that by denying our faith and a good conscience, our faith can become shipwrecked. In other words, if we are doing what we know is wrong, and the Holy Spirit is convicting us in the realm of our conscience, and we reject that conviction, it begins to undermine our faith and it can shipwreck it. Now, if you grew up in certain backgrounds and you got this idea that, okay, well, I, I prayed the prayer when I was five, so I'm secure, nothing can happen, nothing can happen to me, please be aware. And I'm not going to argue Calvinism and all that with you, but please be aware, Scripture does warn us over and over again about people departing the faith, shipwrecking, shipwrecking their faith, or sinning unto death. And, and it seems like such an innocuous thing right here. Denying your faith and a good conscience. We don't like to even listen to our conscience many times. We, we rationalize our conscience away. But it says by doing that, you begin to shipwreck. You're putting holes in the boat of your faith. So that's for free. Shipwrecked faith. Number six, faith. And this is what we're talking about tonight. Faith as a gift of the Spirit. So <clears throat> there's all these different manifestations of faith, different characteristics, different 
explanations of it. But the one we're talking about specifically is something that is supernaturally imparted to you. Kim and I were going through a crisis many years ago, and, and I was falling apart emotionally. But God gave my wife the gift of faith during that season. And she interceded and prayed in the Spirit for hours a day and just had this calm and confidence that came upon her. And when the crisis was abated, that pressing sense of faith and and intimacy with God that she was feeling began to lift. But God brought her into a different realm of faith during that season to walk us through that and to carry not only her but me through that as well. Some characteristics of those who live in the gift of faith. Uh, Number one is fervent prayer. When you're operating in the gift of faith, the first thing you do is you pray. Enthusiastic joy is another characteristic of the gift of faith. I mean, could you imagine not having joy when you've got a word from God that's caused you to have peace? I mean, joy, just you, you can't help but have it, you know? And so someone who is walking in the gift of faith is going to have enthusiastic joy. They're also going to have unusual boldness. Scripture tells us that the righteous are as bold as lions. And we say, well, that's not my personality. I'm more, you know, reserved. We're not talking about a personality. We're talking about a determination. You know, we sometimes think that loud is bold. Sometimes loud is rude, right? Bold is simple. I mean, the lion can be loud, right? You heard me talk about this, that when I went to the zoo one time in Birmingham, there was a lion up on the hill in the big glass-end area, and this lion was just laying around, just kind of looking around like, yep, I'm a lion and I'm the master of my domain, just kind of looking around like that, you know? And just kind of half-hearted decided, I'm just going to remind you that I'm here. And so he just kind of let out this kind of half-hearted roar. It wasn't like the Lion King roar. It was just kind of a, you know, just, you know, just a half-hearted, lazy roar. And I'm standing, you know, right down the hill, right in front of it, looking at it. And with his half-hearted roar, I just kind of just got (laughs) paralyzed. I'm like, whoa, you know. And, and that's actually what scientists tell us is that um, that's part of the purpose of the roar, that it has an, an, a psychological impact on their prey to where it paralyzes them in fear. Not just, not just scares them, but I mean literally paralyzes them to where they don't know how, what to do to move. You know? Well, you know, that lion wasn't being loud. It wasn't going around, hey, say, hey, just so you know, I'm the king of the jungle around here. So don't mess with me. I got a roar and you don't want to hear it, right? He's not doing any of that. He just knows who he is. And when you know who you are, and when you know whose you are, you don't walk around in fear. You walk around knowing that God, the King of kings and the Lion of Judah, is walking with you. And that gives you boldness. People with a gift of faith 
have unusual boldness. And then finally, people with a gift of faith inspire others. I love to be around people of faith, don't you? I mean, people that are truly walking in faith. They just, they make me want to go and just do something big for God, you know? So the gift of faith should be something that we see operating in different capacities in our lives at different times. Um, Karen, I'm going to skip Mark 11 and go down to the next section. So just watch, just track with me here. So let me, let me talk for just a minute about faith and operation in our lives, what it helps us to do. First of all, faith and operation <clears throat> helps us to hold on and to initiate. When we're operating in the gift of faith, and now I'm, think, I'm thinking now as a pastor, I'm thinking in terms of church things, um, that, that when we, take a, when we take, initiate a new in, initiative, when we, when we take on something new as a church, it should stretch us. And we should be able to say, I don't know how all this is going to work. It should take us a little bit beyond our capacity. Why? Because if we're walking by faith, it's going to drive us to boldly initiate something new. We walk by faith and not by sight. I'll share this real quick. I, I, uh, I had a dream last night about somebody that I went to high school with. And I haven't talked to this person except with a brief message on Facebook probably in 20 years, maybe probably, well, probably more than 20 years. And I had a dream about this person last night that they came to church and, and, uh, and they had been, it's, it's a funny dream and I didn't think that much about it. But, uh, and this person had been fishing in the dream and when I recognized them in the church service, they were sitting right there where Deanna's sitting. When they, when they, when I recognized them in the service, they start telling me about the fish they caught and they're wanting to share it with me for lunch. And we're having a conversation while y'all are just sitting around. You're watching us. And I thought, this is too funny. And I thought, well, I, and I, thought, well I need, to, I need to, to send this message and tell them about it. And, and, uh, and I thought, no, that's going to be kind of weird because I haven't talked to this person you know, in so many years. But I just kept feeling that nudge that I need to do that. So I sent it, kind of a little nervous about the re- what the response would be. But I thought, this, this, is, just, this is just funny. I, just, I didn't really think it was a spiritual dream. It was just funny to me, you know. And, and it wasn't five minutes. I get a message back and say, that, that dream has meaning for me. God has been telling me to do something, and I've been ignoring it, and I've been pushing it away. And, and she said, I'm going to have to talk to you and tell you about this because it, it, it's too much to talk about, I mean, too much to type about. But it was something that it, it spoke directly, and I still don't have a clue what that's all about, <laughs> but it spoke to this person. Well... You know, I'm learning that when there's that nudge, even when it doesn't make sense, to just kind of step out on the limb and just see what happens. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? I could look, look a little crazy. Well, we've already established that I'm a little crazy. So, you know, let's just, let's just see what God's doing here. So, you know, I want to encourage you, if you're walking in faith, initiate. Take a step and see what God will do. <clears throat> If we're walking in the gift of faith, we walk in God's protection. In Psalm 91, let me, let's read this real quick on the screen. We're just about out of time. But Psalm 91, starting with verse 3. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the, arrows, the arrow that flies by day. 
nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. This is a good picture of walking by faith. And I'm just real quick, give you five things that this, these verses show us. That is protection from traps. He will save you from the fowler's snare, which is a trap, or the, and the deadly pestilence. So it's protection from traps. <clears throat> Let me just take it on the side here. <clears throat> In my first church, there were, I'm trying to be gracious in how I say it, but there were, there, were, there, were, there was a lot of manipulation going on behind the scenes. And there was one side of the church that was always for the pastor and one side that was always against the pastor. And the side that was against the pastor were schemers. Okay, Now, I'm 26 years old, green, wet behind the ears. I have a degree but no education in pastoral ministry. And, and so these people bless their darling hearts, set traps for me over the course of that year. They kept setting up situations that would make me look bad. And I, I don't mean anything illegal or anything like that, but just stuff that would turn people against me, you know? And it's not because I'm so smart. And it's not, it's, it's not because I, I had such great insight. It was because... I guess because I was so young and innocent. (laughs) But God so graciously enabled me to sidestep every snare they set for me. They never got anything on me that they could use to turn people against me. And there was one guy in particular, you could tell. He never said anything, but you could just tell. It It ticked him off so bad. He could just see him just sitting there just steaming sometimes, you know? And again, I'm not bragging on me because I was completely ignorant. I didn't even realize it until after the fact. I'm bragging on God. That I was walking enough, as well as I knew how, by faith, that He protected me from the fowler snare. Number two in this, He protects us from fear. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Do you know there's 365 occasions in Scripture where God says, do not fear. One for every day of the year. And so faith is incompatible with fear. Now that's not to say that if you're struggling with fear that you don't have any faith. It's a continuum. I'm saying that they're on the opposite ends of the continuum. Fear is on the opposite end from faith. Number three, protection from sickness. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness and the plague that destroys at at noonday. Midday, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. It will not come near you. God will protect you. Then he'll protect you from accidental death. In verse 10, no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Safest place you can be is in the middle of the will of God. 
protection from Satan and beasts. In verse 13, you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, trample on the great lion and the serpent. That's figurative and literal. It's, he's saying that, that he will protect you from Satan's schemes in your life. So, we hold on and initiate if faith is in operation. And we're protected if faith is in operation. Number three, the church grows when faith is in operation. In verse four, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter four, it says they called them again, again, and compare, commanded them not to teach, excuse me, to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, "Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard." And there's coming a time in our nation where we will not be able to speak freely. There was legislation just passed in California trying to force pastors from, uh, to, to not speak out against homosexuality in the LGBT community. So, you know, already they're trying to take away our freedom to speak about the things of, the things of God or to speak freely, period. And I don't say that to scare us, but I'm telling you, it's already that way in Canada. It's already that way in many other nations. And we will have to decide, are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? And, you know, you talk to some pastors in China, and they celebrate the time they've spent in prison for the sake of the gospel. They don't whine about it and talk about how persecuted they are and, oh, woe is me. They celebrate. I was honored to spend 11 months in prison for my faith. I built, I raised up a dozen disciples while I was there. You know, they just see it as, a, as another church that they get to go to and speak. And then finally, when faith is in operation in our lives, we discover God's supply. That God always meets our needs by His riches and glory. So, <clears throat> I want to challenge you tonight because... If you think the way I think, God help you if you do, um, you struggle with trying to figure out how you're going to make certain things happen in your life. And we need plans. We need strategies. I'm taking a course on strategic planning right now, so I'm all about strategy. But at the same time, I think that rather than worrying so much about having all the details out, we just simply need to get before the Father until He unleashes faith to walk in whatever he has asked for us. When that happens, sometimes he's going to call you to do things that make no sense, that goes against reason, goes against what your flesh is telling you, but you know it's a word from God. And if you will take that step, God will meet you there and show himself mighty and faithful and powerful in your life. Understand God will give you what you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. He'll give you the faith to walk in when he calls you to walk by faith. Let's stand together.